change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern. And then you go on into some action. And we must continue to follow the dictates of our conscience, even if that means breaking unjust laws. What do you call second-class citizenship? Why, that's colonization. Second-class citizenship is nothing but 20th century slavery. And I do not plan to cooperate with evil at any it's point. It's time today for us to start doing some standing and some fighting to back that up. Now you stay listening to some track, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to ask Nate, I used to say, Nate, how you an intellect bumping so much Gucci, man? <laughs> Right, I used, I used to always say that to you, right, Nate? Like, how? <laughs> and this nigga Adam knew me about five years before you, and I hadn't been no different then. <laughs> yeah, that's, appre- that's appreciated though. That you know you. He, he ain't changed at all, man. Yeah. We go back to chicken talk. You know what I mean? Swing my door. <laughs> Will Chamberlain, seven forty-five with the Gucci Will interior. And dog dangling. That's that's a topic you need to bring up. That that Jeezy and and Gucci versus. That's a good topic yeah, to discuss great. from different angles. You know, I probably will. You know what? We don't even need music because this is our intro right here. But uh, <laughs> and this is the blooper, to be honest. So just let y'all know we keeping all of this. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, I think that it's, it's, it's really cool how they came together. I think that uh, looking at the psychological aspect of it, I always look at the psychological aspect of it first. Because I'm like, you know, somebody tried to kill you, bro, and you killed the dude that tried to kill you. And now the dude that represented that hit that was put out is, you know, trying to live it up on some, like, more mature stuff. You know, like, that's not easy. If that happened to any one of y'all in your personal lives, somebody tried to put a hit out on you, you might not be wanting to drop, you know. You got you got to look at the whole dynamic, though. You can't just say somebody put a hit. You got to say somebody put a hit on you, and then you live 10 years of your best life after that, where right. you made more money than you ever made, where you found a beautiful wife that you... So with all that being said, are you still holding on to, to, oh, to what happened 10 years ago and, and not taking into effect that, that we were kids back then? I don't care what age they were number wise, but mentally yeah. they were children back then. I, they, you know, I, by the way they live and the things they did. So so I understand, but but at the same token, I could definitely hundred percent feel somebody holding on to somebody trying to take their life, even after all that. I can still understand that too. Yeah, it's hard for me to judge. That's why I say it the way I say it, because when people judge, I'd be like, could you be that person? That's all I, I think. I think he got emotional. Because Jeezy was smashing them musically. And I think that he found an angle that he can actually win at. And and from that angle, he wins. I, I killed the guy you sent to kill me. There's no well, more real okay. This is this is my thing. You know, Gucci and Jeezy, first of all, you know, they represent like kind of like a passing, uh, it's a transition um in terms of like Atlanta music from hip from a hip hop perspective, because like the earliest Atlanta artists that we all grew up with, it's like Outkast, Goody Mob. And then once you get past them, you get to like a T.I. and a Ludacris. And those represent like, you know, Atlanta more so like becoming more mainstream. And then you get to like, you know, the the, the trap era with, with Gucci and Jeezy. And there's a whole, you know, that I would say like the early 
years of Gucci and Jeezy are more, uh, you, you can find more DNA in today's music and what's popular today from those early Gucci and Jeezy records than anything that, you know, Outkast or T.I. or Ludacris ever did. You know what I mean? And that's not to take away from them, but it's just to show the impact and the influence that they had on the current generation of music. And, uh, you know, they both I, they both have had an influence and an impact. But, you know, I, I definitely think that Gucci, um, you know, he had a point to prove, uh, you know, and he he made it known like, that it was like still, it was still very, he, he was still coming from a very different perspective than Jeezy, you know, coming from the more evolved, like, you know, we on some grown shit and we passed this and I don't want to uh, address the beef, you know, that Gucci, you know, came in still like I'm with that energy, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. still connected to the streets. I might not be in the streets, but I'm still with that shit, you know, so. I mean, yeah. I love Gucci. I don't know. I I like how everybody broke that down. You know what I'm saying? I um watch. I was like in and out watching. Um, but I kind of feel like you know going to school in Atlanta, Gucci Mane was the the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I felt like Gucci Mane kind of epitomized what Atlanta was. You know what I'm saying? As far as trap was concerned. You know what I'm saying? Jeezy. I feel like he had a lot of like great hits. You know what I'm saying? But Gucci always came with that energy, you know what I'm saying? Like, and like, I feel Nate, like Nate is kind of like this, although he's conscious, he's still like this Southern cat, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, you grew up, you grew up in the hood too, you know what I'm saying? So like, he's seen a few things, you know what I mean? And so like, you can't get away from that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a yeah. And the funny thing about energy is the conversation that we had just became the word on the street because that's like a current event, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that we're going to move the Chicago topic to another episode because this naturally became the uh, word on the street, to be honest. And I like natural things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's all connected, though, because, I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can connect, you know, what happened between yeah. Gucci and Jeezy to, um, you know, the what what's going on in Chicago or really just uh, everywhere. You know, like uh, I, I, I saw somebody on uh, uh, Joe Budden, I can't remember which one of them it was, said the streets are hungrier than ever right now. You know Work. what I mean? And, you know, when you talk about like the amount of violence and gun violence in particular, the way it affects our people, it seems like it's at an all time high right now. But it, that's in any situation where you look at a civilization where people are struggling, people are hurting, um, you know, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be violence. It's going to be, you know, people that are willing to risk their lives, literally, uh, you know, just to make sure they got a meal or, or a roof over their head the next day. So, you know, times are desperate. And, you know, it's it's important that we all move accordingly uh, with that, but still not, you know, I try, I try to look at it like, you know, I'm not walking in fear. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in terms of just worrying too much about what may happen. Somebody trying to, you know, come at me in a way that it's gonna, I'm gonna have to think about life or death, you know what I mean? But at the same time, that's just the times that we living in right now. A lot of us like, you know, have kind of grew up in that. Like I come from New Jersey, you know, that's not Chicago, you know, but Brick City, North New Jersey, 
you know, Prince Street projects, you know, and when I grew up, there were like no gangs, like, you know, Bloods and Crips and stuff like that, you know, in our neighborhood. It was more like blocks, you know what I'm saying? So you had like blocks that, you know, protect their block and stuff like that, you know, but um, growing up in the 80s, you got a chance to kind of see it like evolve, you know, with the crack era, crack coming into the communities and and it becoming like, you know, that economy for some of these uh, gangs, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, me being a Panther, you know, as a, as a young Panther, I got an opportunity to work with a lot of the different gang members, you know what I'm saying? And see like that, you know, these were intelligent brothers. They weren't like, you know what I'm saying? Just any old person on the street, you know what I'm saying? And so like, you know, to see what's happening in Chicago, you know, is, is devastating, but I think it's partly our responsibility as a community to say, listen, because these are brothers and sisters and cousins, right? So these are folks that we need to, like, have conversations with, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, as a community organizer, you can't have fear when it comes to taking care of your community. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm so connected to, like I said, I'm sitting, I'm in New York right now. I just got here today. And um, I'm sitting next to my brother who's actually, you know, gang affiliate. He's in the gang. So that's how close to home it is for me. And uh and 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 fear, like like fear is not even real, man. Like, 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 even if you were to begin attacked by a lion right now, it'd be smarter to be conscious than to be fearful. You'd have a better chance coming out on top with with ten other emotions other than fear. Fear, you know, freezes you up and puts exactly. you in a position. To, to, to be under attack. But no, there shouldn't be no fear because, again, a lot, you know, I, I, was, I wanted to say, like, what you were saying about um about the times now, why the crime is so high and all that. You got to remember that now, uh, when we were growing up in the 80s, we were just influenced by CDs and tapes. Now, they're influenced by the internet, by every, it's crazy, like, when I'm in these studios and, and, I'm, and I'm dealing with some of these artists beforehand and I see their social medias, and they're these gangsters. And I'm like, I believe it. I'm like, they got to be. And then you get in the studio with them. And it, it, it's, I, I can't tell you how many times that happened where it was like, you, you're the same guy that, because I'm the opposite. You know, I was really living that life, but I didn't show guns. I didn't talk. Although I have a video going into Walmart with an AK. That was on some. Infamous video, right? Yeah, the infamous <laughs> video. But that was young. And that, there was no clout. There was none of that. We just did that because we were bored and high. And. And, 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 you know, figure we'll get away with it just like we did. But, but, but now these, these young people are being influenced where they're seeing killers. We have to be, it's crazy how many people, and, and I think more guns are being pulled out of fear than, than you know, like cowards are doing more. Okay. Than, oh, yeah. Jason, that's an excellent point. Jason, real quick, because that reminded me of something I was uh, thinking on. And, you know, this past weekend, uh, they had the, the Tyson uh, Roy Jones thing, right? And and Nate Robinson, you know, was, was like the, the tagline that everybody was talking about after the fact is how we got knocked out and everything. And one of the memes that I saw going around was from Friday, right? It was Pops from Friday. He was talking to Craig, like, what you need a gun for? All you need is these, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but when I was thinking about that, you know, like, that's funny now, like that type of thinking seems dated in today's concepts, you know, like uh, when everything shut down back in March, you know, I, I had a homie who, you know, was giving me updates on, you know, going to the gun store, talking about the lines and how like the same way people was running 
to the grocery store to get toilet paper. People was running to the gun store. You know what I mean? People was preparing for like, you know, the the like the zombie apocalypse. You know what I mean? So like people's fear, again, like speaking of that mentality is at an all time high. People's distrust and thinking that, you know, just the next man is out to do harm to them. But the internet, like you said, when we was growing up, it was very, you know, when you talk about all these things like bullying, because I've, I've had some experience working with teens too, you know, like these kids, now they grew up in an era where world star, you know what I mean? And like, it's almost like getting exposed and getting yeah. publicly humiliated is on a totally different scale than what it was when, you know, when we was coming up, you know, something crazy happened. Like we probably all grew up with some kid that might've had to move out the neighborhood because something happened. And their parents was like, oh, yeah, you know, we just want to get them away from that. Now it's like on the Internet, social media, you know, it's it's on a much larger scale. So nobody wants to get world star. Nobody wants to get embarrassed or, or, or humiliated like on a Nate Robinson level. And I nope. think that does contribute to people's willingness to, you know, it's like, well, if it's going to be you or me, it's going to be it's, it's going to be me. Being named Nate, I have to say that. uh being embarrassed, the one thing about being embarrassed is uh, you never know when you're going to have something happen, but you never want to look at it like when you go through something that embarrasses you, like, oh, I'm special and nobody else could go through that. Because anybody can go through the things that we go through in life. Like, you know, yes. anybody can get knocked out. If you're a boxer, you got to be willing to get in there and get knocked out. Like, play basketball, you can get dunked on. Even though I can say things like, if you can say I never got dunked on, cool. But you can also say you probably didn't play long enough. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, shout out to everybody who tried and failed. But at the same time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't want to try to do that too often. Pick yourself up and you keep going, right? Like, that's that should be the mantra. That should be the black man's mantra, right? We got to pick yeah. ourselves up and we got to keep going. Wow. And, like, you talk about, like, moving with fear and stuff like that. Like, I think about, like, the history of a lot of these organizations and groups, right? Like, you know, a lot of their history come out of the Black Panther Party, out of the Young Lords Party, out right. of the Cabarets. Like, you know, these were revolutionary organizations, you know, that tried to do something for their communities. And a lot of the mission has gotten lost. Right. You know? And so, like, these are our brothers, these are our cousins, these are our, our, our sisters, our, our father. Like, there's no way that we as a community wouldn't be, shouldn't be able to, like, have those discussions with our brothers and our cousins about what's going on in our communities. But see, what's happening here is, is a lot larger than that, in my opinion. It's like, you know, you think about like these, these a lot of these folks are like in the streets trying to make money. You know, it's like, yeah, I got to make money. And then some of the folks have just been in, you know, forever. It's just like this is something I did when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think that part of it is us trying to create some sort of economic plan within our community so we don't have to look at our associations as if we have to be able to fight and kill each other over them. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of it's economics. You know yep. what I'm saying? When you get down to the bottom of it. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why I think about, like, uh, as I go into the soapbox of the day, um, I think about how uh, the way that our country is knit is very fragile based on the belief. Like, you got to have a shared common belief in order to have a community. Like, um, moving out here to Oakland, one of the first things that I saw was, like, the, the, the most important currency that I found in Oakland was loyalty. 
Like, if you were a person that was loyal to the person who was loyal to you, you're good. But if you in a situation where you were proven to be disloyal, then you could be in a situation where you in a dangerous place and don't even know it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if you ever get considered to be disloyal, like that's the whole concept about, this, you know, snitches and, and people, you know, doing stuff against other people, you know. And uh, when when people have to rub up against each other and they're willing to do dirt, they become shysty. If you're around somebody that becomes shysty, next thing you know, you after him and you, y'all family. Like one of the things that I really hate about things that happen in inner cities is it be one person family that's dealing with another person family. And the generation before that, those two families could have been friends. You know what I'm saying? And then like now you get violence between two people and they be like, oh, that's your uncle or that's your cousin. You know what I'm saying? And those type of things really hurt because then you get into the concept of betrayal. You get in so many other things and it's hard to unravel that stuff because people take that kind of stuff personally. Like if somebody harms somebody in your family, it's hard to relieve that because that's somebody you love and that's somebody that you're never going to be able to kind of, you know, uh, forget. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's not easy to, 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 to relinquish those things. So we got to start learning If we're going to start learning how to, you know, uh, forgive, like what Jason said with the Gucci, you know, 10 years later, he got to a point where he lived a better life. If that's what we strive for, we're going to have to decide at some point, are we going to look at the past for what it was, or are we going to look at what we got in our current for what it is? And you know what I'm saying? Having a better future is what we all looking for. You know what I mean? Um, right. So, you know, as I get into the soapbox topic, you know, I wanted to kind of bring it towards that same that same energy really towards like the whole community of the country, because the country took a blow in this whole fiasco that's still kind of going on. But it's fizzling out with current president not winning the election, feeling like he didn't win because of fraud or some type of misbehavior in certain places and trying to find a way to undermine the concept that he lost on a democratic election. And I know a lot of people who don't even vote. I know a lot of people who do vote. And so when I look at this country, the way that it's made up, it's very difficult for me to imagine what's gonna happen in the future if you got a person who can come out and say, even though we did the election process, oh, that election was fake. You know what I'm saying? Like what's gonna happen in the future when you got people who out here saying, I actually voted, I contributed my vote, I did all that I could do. You know what I'm saying? And so. Um, my question that I want to pose to the group is, do you think that democracy has taken a blow as a result of this, you know, rumor of fraud that's been taking place? Is the country going to feel this? I I think um history's repeating itself. We already did this fake election stuff with the with the with the Bush in Florida yeah. years ago. Like we already did this. So I you know, as far as democracy taking a blow, I think they're all illusion. Republicans illusion, democracy's an illusion. I think, I think, but I mean, you're asking about as far as people take it, as the people taking it and how they'll receive it as far as a hit on democracy. Um, nah, I think the, I think people know the system's flawed already. I think, I think it's more of an expectancy, like, uh, you know, like here we go again type of thing. And, um, and, uh, this is cool to actually talk about this type of stuff. Cause I don't watch any of the news. So a lot of the stuff you guys would be informing me of stuff. Like, I don't know. Like as a matter of fact, I found out I have a friend that that that's a Trump supporter, and he he was like um and he was like uh he was basically like um you know saying all these things to defend him, and I said I don't have an approach on either I don't 
I don't believe any of them. So it's all <laughs> words upon death. You talking upon death ears. I don't believe any of them. I haven't met a politician. You know, like 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 I show me a conscious politician. Then then we go on somewhere. Like like that'll be the first step. Other, show me anything else. I'm not interested. I don't want to see the best businessman. I don't want to see the best war general. You know, a, a conscious leader, and then and then I'll be interested in what they say next. First of all, the politician ain't talking about reparations. I don't even want to hear what they talking about. You know what I'm saying? Straight up with that. But like Donald Trump, you know what I'm saying? He's he's laughable. Like this guy is a clown. You know what I mean? Like when you see this guy, he did a Facebook Live. Uh, <laughs> he did some Facebook Live where he just ranted on about him being the president elect and, and Joe Biden not being elected president. This guy's in his own world. Like, I mean, at some point, while he was like running, we should have saw this, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. you know, I think that it was interesting to see to see how he unravels. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I want to see what, where he's going to be in the next year. You know what I'm saying? Where he does have a job. You know what I'm saying? Where uh, his money is depleted. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure his wife's going to, you know, like he's, he's going through it. You know what I'm saying? He's so- not going anywhere, man. Like this is, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go this ahead. is the thing. He, he was there before he was president, and it's easy for us to forget the place that he existed in for many, many years before he became president, because the last four years probably had felt like for a lot of us a lot longer than four years. You know, like it, it's almost uh, it, he, he the, I think his legacy as president, if you want to like attach something to him as far as like what he defined and the way he made us rethink being president was because even when Obama came in, you know, like that was a paradigm shift, you know, first black president, first president in a long time since Kennedy to be elected so young. And, um, you know, now we're 12 years past that and, and you have Trump and yeah, Jason raised a great point. You know, this is nothing new in terms of people having uh, distrust in the system based on the outcome, the results of an election. You know, somebody, I saw something, somebody pointed out, he's the first president in history to lose the popular vote two times uh, because, you know, that it's usually, it's been, it's been very few times in history where, you know, uh, someone won the presidency and they didn't win the popular vote. And Trump is one of those outcomes. The last time before that happened was in 2000 when Bush beat Gore. Um, so, um, you know, that, that's something that doesn't happen often. There's never been a president, um, who did not concede, you know what I'm saying? The presidency after the other person won, after the other candidate won. Well, that's the, that's just the, I mean, it's the, it's almost like the exact opposite. So, you know, people on the left, you know, on the liberal side in 2000 were very disillusioned. You know, that was the first election that I was eligible to vote in. We were all about the same age, you know, like 2000 and I turned 18. So, you know, there's a lot of people our age that grew up not voting or maybe this year they voted for the first time because of the outcome of that election and and realizing that, oh, yeah, just because more people voted for this person doesn't mean they win the whole electoral college system. So, um, you know, it's just ironic that in in 2020, 20 years after that, it went the other way. You know, now you have people on the right that are like, oh, yeah, this is a fraud. This system is rigged. You know, that's what everybody on the other side was saying 20 years ago. 
that's what's got me laughing because uh, I look at it like uh, we're in a situation where we really shouldn't be using anything that divides us. Like that's my politic in general. So it's kind of funny that you got people who are like sore losers. Like I wish that uh, you could do this in sports. Like yeah, uh, like imagine like this would be the equivalent of being like a year into the next season or something, and you're still talking about the game that you like the when the New Orleans Saints lost that game that they were in the playoffs or something. And they tripping about it because of the referee call. It's like, you know, you're going to have to get over it. History is already done. The story is told. The more time you're spending on, like, what you think in your reality, that's almost schizophrenia in a way. Because, like, you want a reality to exist that doesn't exist. And you're trying to force that reality on other people. And that's not. But he's also bringing other people along with him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like. There's still people who have Trump and Pence signs on their yard. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is not conceded yet. You know Oh, they're mad. They're going to be mad. But you know what the funniest thing? Like, a lot of, I've heard it become cool to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't vote. Or, you know, I just laugh, you know, with these people, you know, arguing about this. Like, I laugh at people that get emotional about politics or whatever. It's just all entertaining to me. The most entertaining thing to me is, like, in Georgia, uh, you know, we all lived in Georgia at one point. We all are familiar with like the politics there. And just, you know, today they announced that for the third time they recounted the votes and Biden still won. Georgia 20 years ago, my first year living in Georgia, that was when uh, the governor, Sonny Perdue came in. You know what I mean? He won governor based on the idea that he was gonna change the state flag back to have the Confederate flag in it. They had just got rid of the Confederate flag and the Georgia state flag, and he was gonna change it back. So Trump being, you know, uh, obvious white supremacist, the fact it's gotta be, it's gotta make him sick that Georgia, you know, went blue, that one of the states that he thought he had in his back pocket be the reason that he didn't win presidency you know what i mean that just had me chuckling on the inside because i know you know georgia outside of atlanta georgia is very red very red you know what i mean like you know is is republican as fuck <laughs> so, i think to like what to like what 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 shaka said about like we know he you know bottom line is that like you said they should have got him out of there earlier but that's what lets me know it's all rigged that's what makes me laugh at the system. If, if most people are wise enough to know he's not equipped to, I don't watch the news, I don't watch the elections, I don't. But every time I hear him speak, I think I'm listening to a child. Like right. the way he, t- it's like it's like an emotional kid. And I'm not judging him. I don't know nothing about him. I don't know his policies or nothing. I just see a kid as a president, and I change the channel. Like, come on, this is entertainment. And whoever's in control of this. It's Care. using him. Not just his politics, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they use, but they, well, I, I can see that they're using him for this week to distract us, to keep us talking about him, well, to keep us separated. It's, it's to, a figurehead. To, so I like, also want to say to push yeah. racism. I believe that putting Obama in first, uh, 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 a reputable brother, mm-hmm. and then bringing an ignorant white man after him created race. It, like they say, it just exposed it. I think they recreated it. Because I seen people getting more comfortable with black and white. And I know what I seen in life coming up to this point with living in the South and living in the North. I seen people really starting to get over that. 
and they brought it all back within the last eight years. Let us know that like we're not that far removed from. And I talk about this a lot because like you know my parents are older. You know they grew up in the Jim Crow South. You know what I mean. My uh, my grandmother was born over a hundred years ago. You know what I mean. So like people forget that we're not that far removed from slavery or Jim Crow or the civil rights movement. It's not that long in the past. So yeah, I think that you know to your point. The way that we got Trump as president in the first place was was people in society responding to an Obama two-term presidency being the first black president. We don't get Trump without Obama, and that's also a part of Trump's legacy. Is he he exposed the fact that it's just a figurehead? The president is just a figurehead. You need Obama for Trump too. See, like the thing is, is that the whole system is rigged, right? Like, elections are selected, not elected. You know what I'm saying? So, like, in my opinion, I think that the whole thing is rigged. The red and the blue work together. And it's decided who is good for the country. Let us not forget who the Democrats used to be. It's so interesting, you know, like, understand that, you know, Democrats work more in our interests. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, let's not forget the history of the Democrats. You know what I'm saying? A lot of slave owners. A lot of these folks used to like uh, 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 promote slavery. All right. So like as we get into names, let's not forget names are powerful. We take on these names and say with this, that and the third. No, we use politics in order to, to, to get what we need. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, like, you know, we at sometimes have to look at we got to stay outside of politics, too. You know what I'm saying? Do what we need to do outside of politics. And uh, that's the reason why I like to go to sports sometimes. It gives me a relief from all the bullshit, you know what I'm saying? So uh, as we go into the next topic of the uh, water cooler, you know what I'm saying? Um, one of the things I was thinking about with uh, sports in general was, like, this year. We're about to end this year, and uh, we have seen a whole lot of things up and down, left and right. Um, and it's hard to know what to expect, but I think that for a lot of people who enjoy sports, playing them or watching them, that uh, this year's sports were a little bit more important um, than they ever kind of were. But I still think about it, like, for the athletes and also for people who are, like, lifelong fans, is the fact that, like, people been on quarantine, some people been injured, some uh, games have been postponed, some seasons have been kind of, like, um Spaced uh, out over time because they started and they had to cut it off and they start back up. Like, so do you guys think that the sports championships for the different sports that are being played, baseball, football, especially basketball during the um, bubble, do y'all think that those championships are going to be viewed as valid in the future or are they going to just forget that we had this COVID or, you know what I'm saying, people had issues going into this? I think they count, man. Uh, you know, I, especially in the sense that. Um, when you look at it, you know, when you're competing for a championship, you know, every athlete, professional athlete, their aspiration is to, you know, to, of course, be well compensated, but also to compete for championships, you know. So if, you know, you're going to say that the, the reason to put an asterisk next to it would be if there was some unfair advantage, you know, that that champion had that wasn't afforded to a a similar team from the past that didn't have that. And the reason I would say to not put that asterisk is because 
all of the teams that they competed against and won against also had those same disadvantages. You know, like in, in this sense, it is it is a snapshot. It is maybe a one-off year, but I look at it similar to how you've had championships um, in the past where teams won, but the season was shortened because of a strike. Um, or, uh, you know, there was a season where, you know, games were played maybe at a neutral site because the team was, uh, you know, their stadium was hit by a hurricane or whatever. You know, they they played, they had to play in a different city that year. So, um, I mean, in that sense, it is a unique year, but I don't look at it as being any less valid than any other championship, whether regardless of what sport. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, like uh, yeah, it, you said as far as being remembered, of course it's not going to be remembered. We don't, you know, they were, you spoke about how far, how we're not far removed from slavery. So what about those athletes that were like fresh out of slavery in the NBA, NFL, and what did they have to go through as far as daily life and dealing with and maintaining a career and maintaining a family? And we don't talk about that. Like, like we barely talk about what Muhammad Ali went through, you know, to be who he was. We, we talk more about his boxing than what he had to put up with. So as far as it being remembered, I don't think so. And the effect, I think it matters like um, basketball. You have to look at each individual sport. Basketball didn't affect because we saw the stars play against the stars. We saw the Lakers best play. And nobody was taken out because of COVID as far as like in the main games, in the championship. Now in the NFL, if two teams go to the Super Bowl and one team loses their quarterback for a failed COVID test, we have to chalk that up to to – you know, that's not going to be a fair championship and it won't be valid. So I think like the the, the situations vary because like, you know, my favorite sport right now is MMA, UFC. And, um, you know, if a champion has to pull out and somebody gets his belt because of COVID, but it hasn't been like that. It's been the best versus the best. And just like in every sport, it's been injuries taking people out. And that's normal. You know, that's that. So as far as sports go up until this point, I think it's it has to be respected. You know, just like Nick said, like, every, you know, it has to be taken as the same and we'll see as far as how the next sports are affected because we're still living through this we're i mean still like, are they getting paid one right like yeah. is everybody getting paid still you know what i'm saying if everybody's getting paid then we're good you know what i'm saying so like if you have to if, if if i don't think it should count at all in my opinion like i don't think it should count because one if somebody does get covid you know like the brother said like jason said like how are we going to, to move it? Thank goodness it didn't happen, but what if it does, right? So then should we not count that? You know what I'm saying? It becomes kind of sticky. If LeBron had caught COVID and he couldn't play, people would not call the championship legit because they would say, oh, the reason why so-and-so won was because so-and-so caught COVID. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's degrees to that. I think that that's, you know, that's something where now – you know, in today's climate where people debate about whether champions are valid based on a lot of different factors. But, you know, we we just saw, you know, uh, a year ago, the Toronto Raptors won the championship against the Warriors, but the Warriors was ravaged by injury. You know, KD didn't play. You know, Clay got hurt. They, they weren't 100%. So even without a, a pandemic being a factor, there's been championships, you know, Michael Jordan left for two years and the Rockets won two championships back to back. Jordan didn't play in one of those years. And the other year he had just come back. They got eliminated, but he didn't play the whole season. 
And there's a lot of people that believe that Jordan could have won eight straight championships or that Houston would have never been back-to-back champions if Jordan never walks away from the game. So, I mean, there's always going to be questions about, you know, when it comes to injury or one player, one piece not being available as to what could have been the outcome of games. But then there's also stories where, you know, my, my Buckeyes won a championship six years ago with a third string quarterback. You know, they they first two quarterbacks both were injured and they still won the championship. And, you know, that man was able to get drafted. And I was about to say, I was about to say that was a damn good third string and a damn good second. Hey, they had had three great quarterbacks, though. But I know. Yeah, but that that's that's the beauty of sports, though. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. and a team can be favored on paper. You know, and it's like there's no way that I could see them losing and then they play the game and they lose, you know. So, um, I mean, in terms of just questioning the validity of a championship based on whether or not there's a pandemic or not, I think you could do that with a lot of different eras, you know, outside of the pandemic. Just like I said, whether it be injury or somebody changing teams. Yeah. Coaching change, whatever, you know. I just looked at it like, you know, such a wide sweeping thing that affects everybody, you know, but at the same time, I'm glad that everybody was able to effectively uh, go into what they expected to, whether they got sick or not, they got paid, they signed up for it, they got out there, they had a chance to compete, whether they won or they lost, they were able to do that. Uh, So, you know, shout out to all of the athletes out there that did go play. Shout out to all the athletes that said, you know, my kids matter more, my family matters more, and they decided to uh, not engaged. Man, get out of here. They're, they're getting paid millions of dollars to play a sport. Y'all better get out there and do it. Give me a million dollars. I'll play basketball every day of my life so that I die and be paid. Get out of here. Facts. Now, I, I get what you're saying, Nate, but no way. They're not. Let's not make it like they're doing something. So it's people doing real stuff out here during this pandemic that's worth playing sport. We appreciate it, but Come on, man. You support the money they make. Get your, get your ass out there and play that <laughs> game, man. I'm really on that. Because at the end of the day, like, really, you got to imagine, like, uh, the decision that I would make, like, I know I would look at it like that. But at the same time, like, what if I was already set? Like, you know, right. the, the player that, that that's uh, in his first contract is, like, hungry. That's the right. same with anything, though. And then the player that's in his 10th season looking at retiring after two years is like, I'm probably not going to do much if I'm on a team that's not winning and I'm already like on my way out. I already have my big contract. I mean, what? Like, you know, a lot of these decisions when it comes to whether or not teams are going to play a season or not play a season is driven by money. You know, like when games get postponed, the advertising dollars, the TV networks stand to lose because companies pay millions of dollars to have advertising. And then like the biggest example to me is if you look at college football, you know what I mean? Like these cats are not paid, you know what I mean? And they're out there, you know, and and it's not, it is not a coincidence to me that when at the beginning of the season, they announced which schools were playing and which teams were canceling. If you look at all of the teams that were canceling the season, like, oh, we're not going to play. Who was it? It was like the Ivy League. It was like the Big Ten. It was schools that are academically sound where these kids that are playing on these football teams, they're not really thinking about, I'm trying to go to the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they're they're thinking those those are going to be doctors and lawyers and politicians. You know what I mean? But they're playing, you know, Division I college sports. The SEC, 
they got right back out there. You know what I mean? Then you had cats like on in the Big Ten, Ohio State, you know, like the quarterback that they, they had already announced they was canceling the season, but he's got the chance to be a top five draft pick. He's like, no, I want to play. You know what I mean? And knowing that on any one play, he could have a career ending injury and, and maybe not even be able to walk again. But it's like just the just the amount of risk involved in getting to that level where you have a chance to be a millionaire overnight and change. You know, that's generational wealth. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's a coincidence that the schools that was the most willing to get back out there and play are the money schools with the kids that are trying to go to the NFL. You know what I mean? Like health is the most important thing, you know what I'm saying? And even though people are trying to get this money, you know, it's like you got to always consider your health is the thing that that's most important. You know what I'm saying? And so like as you get into the food for thought, like as we think about like how black men and women have been going through so much, like when they go through medical procedures, like they go to the hospital, like if you ever had something happen and uh, there's so many statistics out there that state that, you know, men and women who go to the uh, uh, hospital or go to, you know, get hospice care who are people of color stand to um, suffer a lot more, uh, sometimes uh, death and sometimes, you know, adverse situations and uh, side effects. Um, so with that considered, like, we, you know, Africans, black people have lived on the planet for so long and we didn't have hospitals and doctors and stuff like that. A lot of times it was like a natural science to how we stay healthy and people knew their bodies. They individually knew how to keep themselves healthy. And we living in America have a diet and a lifestyle that kind of doesn't give you that culture and education on how to be healthy. So like, are we missing out by living in an American culture that doesn't give us like the a cultural education on health and makes us depend on doctors and hospitals. I think that we have we have the freedom to do that ourselves, right? And it's kind of like our obligation to to be able to pass that down to our children and use it for ourselves. Like if we're talking about like natural medicine, like if you're African American, you know, like if you're from the South, your your grandma, your auntie, they got natural medicines that they've been using for years, you know what I'm saying? Some of that stuff we don't know because we didn't, we didn't like, you know, take that from our elders, you know? And, you know, the 80s was a crazy time, you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, a lot of that information wasn't passed down to us, you know? But I think it's important for us to like tap back into that energy, you know what I'm saying? Like what type of uh, roots, what type of like uh, herbs that we can use to help heal ourselves and our children when we get sick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and like you said, you said Nate, do, does um does it affect our culture? Of course it does, cause uh we went through a pandemic and not once did anybody uh, on any news or anything talk about what to do to boost your immune system. Right. I mean that that's a perfect you know of how we're suffering. Not, but again, it is our responsibility. And people like uh, you know I know like like I've been saying everybody. I was I was on my health before the pandemic, so it's not nothing new you know, the the stuff that we know to take. But nonetheless, it is affecting most people because people are doing what the news tells them to do and what people say. And all they care about is that mask and hand sanitizer. And come on, we, we know better than that. You know, that's not enough. And it's a, it needs to be a holistic health approach because the, we're the essential workers and we're the ones that have all these diseases that are connected to, like COVID will connect to them and, and make them worse or make us, you know, make our health worse. 
And so, like, we have to try to look at our bodies and what we eat, you know, the exercise and all of that stuff, you know what I'm saying, if we're trying to, like, become a healthier group of people, you know, or live the way our ancestors used to live, you know? Yeah, I think one of the things that, uh, I mean, this, one of the lessons that I've personally taken from this is just the importance of just reminding me, not that I wasn't aware of it before, but it just kind of refocused me on, um, you know, preventative health and, you know, a a holistic approach um, to where you're not treating some illness or ailment, but, you know, you're living in a way that to where you're not going to put yourself at risk to become um, someone that, you know, suffers from whatever it is, whether it be high blood pressure, blood sugar, diabetes, all of these different things that adversely affect our people so but you know it's a class thing as well and um you know one of the things that i think this you know pandemic has shown is that certain people have been able to kind of insulate themselves from um from being affected you know a a lot of our people live in communities where they're food deserts you know access to uh, quality produce and things like that you know might not be readily available so, you know, it's a decision of whether, you know, I'm going to go to this little fast food joint right down the street that's close, um, you know, uh, versus going 15 miles out to the suburbs to get, uh, you know, some healthier food choices. And it's a, it's a matter of exposure as well. You know, some of the things that we pass down generation to generation in our community aren't, aren't good, you know, and we cling to those things because that's just what we do to get by, but they're not necessarily healthy. And it's not thinking long-term in terms of, you know, you have to educate uh, from an early age, our our children really are who we're supposed to be passing that information to so that it's not like they get to the point where you have to be considering bypass surgery or, you know, uh, addressing it after the fact. Because you got people like Dr. Sabi who, says that you can heal everything through diet. You got other people, not just Dr. Sabi, but he's a very uh, good reference because sometimes people would look at him like he was crazy, but he's the type of person who would look at a disease and look at it from a different angle than what most modern science, medical doctors, how they look at it. And we need more minds to attack these issues of today that come from our people. We don't we can't always depend on someone else's education, someone else's uh, initiative, someone else's intentions when it comes to solving these problems. And so, you know, when it comes to health, when it uh, we are having a diabetes issue, high blood pressure issue. And in a way, we as a race going to have to find the, 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 the answer to it. We can't really depend on. Uh, uh, the medical journals, the medical scientists and stuff who are really, in a way, feeding you the same industries that's giving you the things that's causing you your problems. They support industries. like the I think it starts with our mind, right? Because we're the ones that make these decisions. I'm not the one to say that all Western medicine is bad. I think that you need a little bit of both. You know what I'm saying? Like as you're using like your Western medicine, you also need to look into more homeopathic or uh, alternative or uh, African um, medicine. Um, like, you know, I see people or see different people who go to uh, uh, African priests 
you know, for different ailments and you get certain medicines that come along with your divination and things like that. They also have it in comedic philosophy as well. You know what I'm saying? I think that um, it goes back to slavery. Right. And when I say I said something, I said we lost our juju. Right. And the reason, what I meant by that is like we lost our connection to the earth, like that, that ability, like our great grandparents had the ability to like our grandmother can go open the door and put a book, big foot out and, and tell whether it's about to burn or not. You know what I'm saying? Our great, great grandmothers can go out and put their hands in the dirt and tell us whether it's time to grow. You know what I'm saying? Whether the soil's good and da 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 right? We lost a lot of that agricultural sense, right? That connection to the earth, which means we lost our connection to medicines. You know what I'm saying? Like, believe that or not. I spent a lot of time I mean? in doctor's offices and hospitals, you know, especially since my son was born. And even doctors know they don't have the answers. That's the reason why they call it a practice. And um, if you're going to look at it like somebody else is going to practice, you may as well practice yourself. Because you're the one who lives with your body. You're the one who wakes up and feels that tinge in your foot. You're the one who wakes up and feels that ache in your head or whatever. So, like, learning how to kind of, what did I eat last night? Don't eat that. Test with the situation. You know, uh, you you had something. Kind of think scientifically. Use that scientific approach. Like, I got this one variable. Let me keep that variable, be the variable, and other things constant and see if I can find out am I allergic to this um, item that I'm eating or is this a bad environment where I'm going to? And, and it's the same process that doctors do. So we have no excuse. But we, like a lot of you guys said, have lost that connection to that information. Well, not only that, but I think it's a lifestyle as well. Because, um, you know, and this goes outside of Western medicine, but just like a Western way of thinking, uh, you know, uh, where we live in a consumer society, right? So a lot of people's approach to eating is, you know, I eat for pleasure, I eat for enjoyment. Whereas, you know, it, it, I, I forget the saying where it's like, you know, the, they say people from Louisiana, they talk about like the cooking and the food down there. And they say people, you know, outside of Louisiana eat to live and people down there live to eat. But that's a that's really a mentality that I think a lot of people have just outside of regional, but just in general, like, you know, a lot of us have been blessed to be afforded a certain lifestyle where we're not really eating for for energy or for sustenance. You know, we're just eating because that's what you're supposed to do at that time every day. And it's like, you know, things like portion control, all of those things matter when it comes to, you know, talking about like having a healthy diet and a healthy uh, mental approach towards eating. But uh, I I wanted to segue. I wanted to ask y'all because this is a good uh, time to segue towards uh, how I wanted to know how everybody feels about the vaccine. You know, we've been getting news recently about um, you know the, the a couple different companies that have successfully completed trials towards a vaccine. It looks like that's going to be becoming available within the next several months, okay. um, and. Uh, you know, someone mentioned earlier about, you know, our community and how we look at medicine and just our, especially us as black men, um, you know, our approach to just going to get a routine physical or going to the dentist for a routine cleaning. Like our community has a natural distrust 
of the medical community based on things like the Tuskegee experiment, based on um, a lot of the things that we've learned were done to slaves in order to advance modern medicine, uh, you know, at the detriment of our people. So, um, you know, and, and now a lot of us are fathers and have children to where, you know, you might be confronted with the prospect of, do I want to have my child uh, given this vaccine just in order to be able to go to school? Yeah. Uh, what do y'all think about that? I got something to say about that, right? So yeah. I got kids, right? So first of all, I think that um, I'll, catch up, I'll catch it on round three, okay? So like yeah. what I meant by that is like, I'll see how it goes, <laughs> right? And yeah. I'll catch it on round three. So like the first round that come out, you ain't gonna catch me on that one. No <laughs> second round that come out, but you might catch me on round three, right? Yeah. So I can see how it goes. Like, I mean, because, you know, I, 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 the, I say that one because of the situation I'm in. Like, I work from home, right? Not an essential worker. I'm not, like, out there working, right? At the same time, you know, I, I'm also very skeptical about vaccines. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that doesn't mean, like, the basic vaccines that children need to get to go to school. Um, all my children get those. You know what I'm saying? And uh, one, so that the, the whole community feels safe. We feel safe with everybody else's children, you know. But I also agree, like, for parents who feel like they don't want that, you know, I, I'm with them. You know what I'm saying? If they feel like, you know, I, for religious reasons. This virus is different from any other virus that we've encountered because um, when they talk about the, you know, wear a mask, it's because you can actually catch this from having... Uh, interaction with people's moisture from their mouth or from their lungs, their their respiratory system. Um, small medical stuff. The rest, the the actual virus does not actually affect your respiratory system. It affects your uh, vascular system, which is your blood. So what happens is um, this virus is related to SARS COVID one. SARS-CoV-1 was what they call SARS, and SARS-CoV-2 is what they call in COVID. SARS-CoV-1 is a virus that only affects your respiratory system, which means when you catch it, it only affects your lungs. It'll, so you'll cough, you'll, you'll be sick, like you caught a cold or a flu. And it might affect other lungs, I mean, other organs like your kidneys. And um, that's about as much. So it affects your adrenal glands and it affects your respiratory glands. Because of the type of receptor that it has attracts to the type of cells that only live in those areas. The reason why I'm saying that is because this virus, it actually can um, attract to those same receptors, but that's not where it um, turns on. I'm trying to avoid using medical terms too much. And so when it actually gets into your blood system, that's actually when it activates. And the reason why I'm saying this and the reason why it's important that I said this is because any vaccine that you get for the purpose of helping you with coronavirus, it would have to be able to enter your bloodstream. And your bloodstream actually goes to areas such as your brain, your liver, your kidneys. The reason why people who have COVID are having problems where they need a ventilator is because their body is not allowing enough oxygen to get to their organs, but they're not having a hard time breathing. And so what I'm trying to say is, if you take the vaccine, 
The vaccine is going to, by nature, have to enter your brain, your kidneys, your liver, all of those same areas that the virus can get when you get infected. And so um, the, the, the problem that I have is that the approach that America has to this virus is the approach that they had to other viruses in the past, where it was, don't worry about catching it. We'll find out how to deal with the population for catching it. They didn't look at it like, how do we literally prevent it? Other countries couldn't survive allowing everybody to capture it, catch it or whatever. So they worked harder at quarantining at the beginning and making sure that they had preventive, med preventative measures. America didn't look at having preventative measures in place. And that's the reason why we're stuck with having to deal with looking at a vaccine. But this is a different type of virus than we've ever seen in humanity as we know it, because it will enter into your lungs, but it won't catch there. It catches on when you have your blood. So I just want to let you guys know that a little bit, because that's something that I think you need to consider, even if you don't know about the virus, even if you trust the doctors, even if you don't trust the doctors, that in order for it to work, you have to allow whatever the substance that they put in that fucking needle is going to have to go through your whole body, essentially. Your pituitary gland, everything. Because this virus, that's the reason why some people are actually getting dementia, Alzheimer's, and all that kind of stuff. So this can actually cause problems down the line. So that's just something I wanted to lay on y'all. As far as vaccines go, I, you know, I have an interesting take on it because I, you know, I listen to a lot of uh, everything from spiritual teachers to conspiracy theorists. So I take in everything. And at one point, I was like against vaccines vaccine i even listened to uh you know um what farrakhan said and a lot of people take what he said and they're changing like as if he said don't take the vaccine right and what and what he said was if you do take it look into it and make sure you know what's in it before That's you take true. it and he yeah. said our like you said earlier our own doctors should be creating vaccines but the bottom line is my so then so then as I was against vaccines, then I listened to, um, I don't know if you guys know who Dr. Larry Brilliant is. He was like uh, uh, one of the leading doctors um, who helped eradicate smallpox. And when he tells some of the stories that they went through, like, like um, some of the countries that were spreading it out heavily, they would have to go in and raid the villages and force people to take the vaccines. And now whether we think it was right or wrong, one thing we know for a fact is smallpox is eradicated. That's right. one thing I can't argue with. I can't that. So 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 when he talk, he also talks about how how also some like like um the chicken pox. Uh, yeah. Um. So he says that's foolish. He says that's like I don't. So like even when he talks about it, he says he you can't be one sided against it. You can't be totally against it, and you can't because there's no way they can say they're not harmful. He's like there's no. He worked on it, and there's no way. He could say it wasn't harmful. But the interesting thing about his story is why I even validate what he says is um, he um, he had a guru in India, like a real guru, not not a, a Jesus character, uh, an enlightened being, a guru, a real, the character, not the story, but a person who's finished. And um, and um, when he spoke to these, uh, you know, the, the, the one the guru basically told him that to go to the um, to the UNO. And he didn't, long story short, I'm not going to go through it, but he didn't know what for. And in the end, he ended up being a, a doctor that helped eradicate smallpox from what this guru who knew nothing about nothing told him to go do. He actually got turned away, like, I think 14 times. And the guru kept saying, go back and go be a UNO doctor. And if you listen, look it up. The story's crazy. But he ended up, so how could I deny 
you know, the, the validity, but everybody, you know, even those vaccines, they took 60 years. They used vaccines that were already being made 60 years before, 80 years previous. So they say that it takes that long. Huh? That's what I want more time on it. Like, I don't want to take something that they haven't at least seen what the long term effects are. Like, I don't care about what happens in the next three months, year. I want to know over a lifetime, are people going to get where they start? You don't want to have those commercials you looking at TV on Saturday and they be like, did you take the coronavirus vaccine? You might qualify for compensation up to. And I was going to say, you know, even even when that guy, Larry Brilliant, he talks about Bill Gates back in those days when Bill Gates and I was I was on the side of Bill Gates is corrupt. He's behind the corruption and all this. But this guy talks about Bill Gates getting involved back then when people were really dying at a crazy rate for right. real from smallpox. And they, he said he had so much money that he wanted to be an influence on this. So so when I when I hear that side, I, I, I kind of might believe that 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 he might believe that vaccines work or they don't or he I don't know. I don't I don't claim to know the minds of these people, but I know that was when he got involved and they said that he did it out of a place of having so much money and really wanting to help people to stop dying, especially kids. Because a lot of kids were dying. So I don't know. I like I said, I don't know. I'd rather not. I'd rather just keep taking care of myself. But when they're talking about forcing it, like like in, in the smallpox time, you, they were, we were seeing people die. I've been traveling through this whole coronavirus time. I've been in different countries. I've been in different states while all is going on. And it's the same question everywhere. I'm in the Dominican Republic and people are asking me, is it real there? Because it's not real here. And we're not seeing people die like that. We're not seeing this go on. We're seeing athletes left and right get pulled out of sports but not one athlete has ended up in a hospital yet because it shows that if you have an optimal level of health, you're not going to have the reaction. I think that COVID exists. At the same time, I think that if we use proper measures and we do what we've been told to do, we'll be okay. You know, um, I think the folks who uh, can get it uh, the, the worst are like old, elderly people with pre-consisting con- conditions, stuff like that. And so like, we have to look out for the folks who um, who are the least of us, like the folks that can get it, you know, before any of us. You know, we're healthy men, you know what I'm saying? But that that's also not to say that men who are healthy can't get it and, and be put down for a few weeks, too. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, you know, like Nate was saying before, like, you know, with vaccines, it's interesting because you have to have the disease itself inside of it. You know, although it's like a dead, you know, inactive, you know, whatever, I don't know what you call it, cell or whatever, you know, at the same time, you know, it's there and it can never guarantee that it is fully 100 percent like, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, so like, you know, we, we have to be careful what vaccines you go for, for, but the ones that are tested by time that have been, you know, done over and over again, sure, like. You know, yeah, the long the long term side effects, not to, but like like Nate was saying, I think that's the thing that is the biggest factor determining, at least for me personally. And I think I got that from what you were saying as well. Like, I'm not about to be the first person to rush right. to get to line up to get the vaccine. But at the same time, I think that makes sense because who should be the first people that would volunteer to get the vaccine? It would be people who are working on the front lines so people in the medical community people who are elderly, who are more at risk for long-term complications based on getting COVID. 
And yeah, uh, those people should be the first ones with access to it as well. But the other thing that's scary that I just think about it is, you know, I know that Nate mentioned, like, you know, we've seen athletes uh, test positive for COVID. Um, a lot of what we're still learning about the long-term effects of it is 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 kind of frightening. You know, you where you see people having issues mentally, uh, they're not necessarily physically crippling, crippling, but mentally handicapping. Uh, you know, things like dementia and memory loss. So the long-term effects of people's recovery from COVID is still being. We're still learning a lot about that. Um, and, and, you know, as far as where our community falls on just vaccines, I think that it's, that it's understandable for most of us to have a natural distrust of, of vaccines just based on history. You know, if you know anything about the, our history with the medical community, then you know that when it comes, whether you're talking about Black women and their experience with childbirth or, um, you know, how, um, you know, Men, you know, are, we're reluctant to go for routine physicals or whatever, things like prostate exams and things like that, just based on uh, the bias that exists when it comes to the medical community and how they treat our people. Um, I mean, it's understandable. I don't believe that it lays down a healthy person. I don't yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen that person yet. Like like yeah. I said, not one athlete has been in a hospital yet. One, I don't I don't I. Like, like when you guys say the people that are like most strongly affected by this, that that makes me, that leans me towards the this is population control because the people that are dying and getting taken out by this are, if you were to look at it, the people that don't matter that we can do without in a society, the sick, the compromised health, the old. So when I hear something like that, it makes me and I don't want to be the conspiracy theorist, but but if it's logical, it's logical. And if those people are the ones dying from it, that that makes me think that even more. Because, like I said, I haven't seen no athletes in a hospital. I haven't seen them. They don't even look sick. The ones that and and a lot of fighters are coming up with it. So they these guys live at an optimal. They have to die a certain way. And 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 I believe again, hot part to burn out. A virus can't live at a certain heat. So these yeah. guys are heating right. up their body to a certain degree every day. So even if they are testing positive, they're getting out at a certain point. And like I said, they're not, they're not, they're not. And I know people personally who, who, um, who like, um, Nate, you know, Marcel, Marcel yeah. had it, Marcel had it twice. The first time he had it, cause he worked security at a hospital. First time he had it, he wasn't working out he wasn't eating right. He got real sick. Second time he got it. All he did was he lost his smell and his taste. Wow. So, and, and he was taking care of himself the second time yeah, I mean, honestly, this goes back to what I was saying about the uh, pe black people having a better culture for health, because if we had a better culture for health, this wouldn't affect us like that. Because the thing that they say are the triggers of diabetes, high blood pressure and inflammation. And those are the things that are happening. And this goes back. I'm not trying to go into the science of it, but it literally makes you at risk. And those are factors that aren't they don't have to be. You don't have to have diabetes. You don't have to have hypertension and high inflammation. It's because of the diet and environment. But they all disproportionately affect us, you know, right. aside from COVID. Uh, and that and that is mostly because of diet. Right. So, um, you know, that's just one thing to think about, man. And so as we grow on, man, before we get out, I want to think about something that uh, a little bit lighter topic. Because, you know, me personally, I'm a gamer. And I was thinking about the other day because now that I got my son. I don't play video games as much. Um, but the question that... Uh, I thought to pose, do you guys think that uh, video games help pass time or do you think that it's just like wasting time? Yeah, I'll take that one. So 
I also have a son. Uh, I have two sons. Um, but my oldest son, he's 13. And so, like, you know, he has the PS4, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and he, I'm not really a gamer like that, right? I'm like an old working man or whatever. But I love to play, uh, what is that, um, GTS? What is it? Um, uh, not GTA? GTA. GTA. Yes. yes. <laughs> I just like to tear shit up. I just like to, like, steal people's cars and, like, run into shit and, like, <laughs> Get the police to come after me and like, you know, like that's, you know, like that for me is like a time to like let go anger and stuff like that, you know. And so um, and it's a time for me and my son to bond because he hates when I play because he's like, you ain't doing the missions, dad. Like, you don't even care about missions. Like, what's up? I'm like, man, like this is just a let off steam. So like, you know. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about video games. But, you know, I think that it's, it's a good way to pass time if used properly. Like, I think that men have to be careful becoming boys. Like, if you're the type of man where, like, all you do is play video games all day and you're not getting paid for that, then that's a problem. You know what I'm saying? If you're in your mama's basement and you play video games all day and you ain't getting paid for it and your mama ain't living with you but you living with her, that's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree with that 100%. I think we're all at that age where it's like, you know, you know, but video games maybe are an afterthought or something, you know, where I haven't even, you know, I used to be uh, much more of a gamer myself before I became a dad. You know, my daughter's two now, so I can't tell you the last time I was really gaming on the regular, but I'll even just get on my little phone app game and play golf on my phone for you know, like I, I, I'll get sucked into that occasionally. But I mean, you know, I don't think that I don't look at it necessarily the same way as, as the question was framed, where it's, uh, you know, just like a, a waste of time or just something as a useful distraction. I think it's a little bit of both. But the one thing I would add to that is, you know, the, you know, the way our parents looked at it, or the way my parents looked at it was just like, oh, yeah, like that's a waste of time. Nothing's going to come from that. There are cats that are out there making livings, you know, being uh, competitive gamers. Um, you know, that that's a whole new frontier. And, um, you know, I think that for, for people who have the dedication and the time to dedicate towards it, it can be very lucrative. So I wouldn't knock anybody for pursuing that if that's what you want to do. Right. Um, but it's but it's more so even with that, you know, there's a, a, a and there's an intellectual side to it. You know, when you dedicate your life to being good at a game, especially if it's something involving a team, that's still developing you in a way um, that would be similar to working in an office environment. If you're learning to, you know, use a cooperative team strategy to accomplish a mission or accomplish a goal. And, you know, outside of that, it can be bonding. So, you know, for me, you know, when I was really more into it, it wasn't necessarily about, um, you know, being a distraction, but it was about, you know, going over my homies crib and playing 2K for a couple hours, you know, and then that becomes like a competitive thing to where it's like, I might get online and start playing against people, um, you know, because I'm good now, you know, but, um, 
you know, it, I, I do want the PS5, but it's like, I'm not really pressed about it. You know, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. I mean, I look at it like, for me, I just want to get one, uh, but I ain't rushing. I mean, I know everybody want one right now, but I also know that it's going to make more. Two, 2021 going to have a bunch of PlayStation 5s in it, and um, I don't mind waiting for all the games. When, when I buy mine, it's going to be a bunch of games out. It might have a price drop. It might not, but at least it won't be no problem for me to run in Best Buy, Walmart, Tar- Target, to get one. Because like, right now, you can't get one. Everybody all hyped. They paying for <laughs> I'm like, ain't nobody gonna get a rack on a PlayStation Five, but I gotta get one though, cause. Uh, well, well. <laughs> hey, wait, right bro. Now. My son won one. Yeah. Hey, yo, Kwanzaa, uh, Christmas time, or whatever. You know, what I'm saying like, you know, my son won one. So like, you know, for me, I don't care what the game is. How much does it cost? Like. As a dad, I, that's that's how I be like. How much this thing cost? Like the last one, then when the last one, like last year, like PS4, then y'all, you know, did we just get this? You right. know, what I'm saying? like you know, so I'm like in that stage now. You know, I got I got my son this uh, Super Nintendo uh, uh, classic thing where you could play the video, like the old video games from like the '90s and shit like that. I play that more than he does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Play like the Contra, <laughs> Super Mario Go Kart. You know what I mean? Like that's what I was like. You know, that's what I'm into. You know, Transylvania. You know, Zelda, old school like you know games. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I think that video games are cool because my whole life I've been playing them, and the skills and the graphics and all that stuff have increased, and um, I get a kick out of it personally. Like I'm still. The, I mean, past year has been a minute, but I'm still the dude that'll stay up till like four or five in the morning playing video games, man. Like, I ain't gonna lie. Um, but I'll make sure that um, it doesn't take up too much of my life. I always try to make sure I get other stuff accomplished too, so I try to keep a balance. But as of right now, it's been a while since I've played some video games. Yo, Saturday um, morning in video games, son. Like, I used to love Saturday morning video games. Big yeah. ass little cereal. And some cartoons, you know what I'm saying? Some Ninja Turtles and some shit like that. And um, for us to indulge, like you said something about men have to watch becoming boys. And I felt that it's an important statement. Um, But it's also important to to remember that that's the basis of who we are as individuals. And we should indulge that inner, younger person. But uh, you're right. Don't become a boy again. You know what I'm saying? Um, So with that said, man, I'm glad to have everybody on, man. I felt like. We, we went over some things and naturally talked about a lot of good ideas, man, and, and got some good ideas out in the, into the atmosphere. So before we go, man, I know we didn't even really get a chance to introduce each other, you know. Um, you know, many people have uh, met us, you know, through life, but we also got to remember this is going out to everybody. And as we put this out, we want everybody to always know who we are because we building and we're going to continue to build. Um, so uh, I'm Nate. And, you know, one of the things that I always want to do for the audience and the listeners of this show is to understand that our goal is to recapture the revolutionary. That's the story that brought us to where we are today and how we got where we are. Um, Like, you know, being conscious, going to college, living the world of uh, raising children and being educated as a worker, 
and living and having a company, running companies, working for people, all the experiences that we've had over the lifetime that we've had have kind of got us to where we are today. So um, I, I just want to always pay homage to the people who helped me put this together, man. And so, you know, my brother Shock, I wanted you to get a chance to uh, give your pizzas and, you know, chat with them. Yeah, I'm going to just real quick. My name is Shaka. I'm your resident hotep. You know what I'm saying? Um, holla at your boy at Shaka1962, and I'm out. Yeah, man. What's about AD, man? You know, glad to have you on. I know yeah. that uh, we we um, talked a little bit about some things that kind of touched home with you today, and I appreciated that you, you know, the conversation. And uh, we got a chance to kind of key in on some topics that I think helped us out, man. Uh, in the future, we're going to grow. Um, so I just want to get a chance to have you sign off with the crew. And, yeah, uh, yeah, man. What's good? What's good, man? What's good to everybody? My name's Adam, uh, or AD, as I'm affectionately known by many. And uh, yeah, man, um, you know, what can I say, man? Columbus, Ohio, born and raised, educator, father, um, artist connoisseur of fine art and sports historian so uh yeah man um you know always good to get with your brothers and and, and build and uh you know i if shock is a resident hotep i guess that makes me the resident mainstream social <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't really know we still we still working out that dynamic what the what that's gonna look like but uh but yeah, man, you know, I, I tend to veer a little bit towards the radical on most things as well, man. You know, we, we all come from that that uh, that school of thought, uh, even when we're going back to the Morehouse days, man. So always good to chop it up, y'all. And welcome to Jason. I'm yeah. just going to Jason. Uh, you know, what's up, man? Yeah. Uh, you know, Jason, uh, a.k.a. Bliss. Believe love is simply the solution. That's it. Nothing more. I just have a have another opinion. That's it. Yeah. Good to get different opinions and views. Uh, we're not just average. We average. We regular people, and we super regular people. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm glad to have you brothers on, man. Uh, amazing brothers in your own rights. And uh, get back to your lives. Get back to your families. I know y'all on East Coast, man. So I appreciate y'all spending some time on the show. Uh, we gonna wrap this one up, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Necessary.